0: Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more Shelf Stories.
1: Hey gamers, this is Liv Davidson for Beyond Solitaire, and today I'm publishing a very special review of Jerusalem on Odomini from Devere Games, because I have guests, I have got Jason Perez from Shelf Stories and One Stop Co-op Shop. Hey, Jason.
2: Yo, my peoples, what's up?
1: And I've got a difficult man to catch on video, Dan Thoreau of Space Biff. How you doing, Dan?
0: Oh, it's so early. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You've already recorded two podcasts, Dan. What do you got? Catch up over here.
0: <laughs> I am not a morning person. I went to bed at like three.
1: <laughs> so we're going to let Dan wake up another moment and I'm going to cut to a little overview of the game. BRB, everyone. All right, so here's a very quick overview of Jerusalem on of Domini. This is a game designed by Carmen Jimenez, and it is about getting as close as possible to Jesus at the Last Supper. This is a game for one to four players. There's special rules for one and two, and I'm going to keep this brief because um, this description will be appearing on a podcast as well. So I'm going to try to keep this as cross-media as possible. But I have the game set up, and there is a main player board with five action spaces, So there is a space where you can send your followers out to various locations on the board. There are locations where you can pick up materials such as fish, bread, and stones. There's also a market where you can get more cards. In the middle of the board, you have the Last Supper setup with a bunch of followers who are surrounding Jesus and trying to get up as close to him as possible. And you also have the apostles who will be called to the Last Supper throughout the game. And you will also score by getting close to them. So if your own supply of followers and what you're going to be doing throughout the game is bringing stuff to dinner that will get you close to the table and then placing yourself close to the table so that you score off of your proximity to Jesus and to the apostles. In the solo mode you're going to play against a little bot named Barabbas and Barabbas is going to cause the Sanhedrin track to advance bringing on the end of the game and also some events that are negative for you and great for your AI opponent. In order to take advantage of any of these spots in the game, you're going to have a deck of cards, and you're going to play those cards one at a time. So essentially every time you play a card, it'll give you a location where you can go take an action, and you will also have some possible follower actions at the bottom of the card that you can carry out. You're going to want to play cards in certain patterns in order to gain rewards and call the Apostles to the Last Supper. And you're also going to want to make sure that you're taking your actions in the most advantageous possible order because again, having a lot of resources is great, but the real point is to get your followers out of your player area, so this is a warehouse. I've of course messed everything up in shot, but you have a warehouse that's full of your followers and they need to go to dinner and sit in the best places possible. You're gonna need to get them there by moving them off of your board, putting them in various locations, and then moving them from the locations to dinner, while also collecting the resources that they're going to need to pay up for the best possible seat. In addition, there are offerings that you can collect that take up room in your warehouse that could be spent on resources. But you might want points at the end instead. And you're also going to have a chance to score by collecting parables, uh, which will give you points on their own and are also part of set collection in the game. So despite its religious theme, this game is very much a euro where you're managing resources, managing storage space, managing a spatial puzzle at the Last Supper table, managing a card order puzzle in terms of calling the apostles. And you're also doing a bit of set collection by listening to some parables. Meanwhile, Barabbas is going to interfere with you, at least in the solo mode of the game. So that is the quickest of quick overviews. Let's go ahead and go to our discussion, because I have Jason Prez and Dan Thoreau on here, and I know that's what you want to hear. All right, we are back with some final thoughts. All right, gentlemen, how do we feel about Jerusalem? Anna Domini. I'm just going to say, I really wish that I'd liked this more than I did.
2: Well, I, I mean, let's, let's pause there, right? Because yeah. the reason why the three of us are together, we you've convened the panel, right? Uh, yes. We're bringing a much different perspective than many, many reviewers out there. Every, all of us in some way have a religious scholarly background. Yes. Uh, so let's just kind of go down the road and say it. Uh, I am a master of theological studies from the University of Notre Dame. That was a previous life. I thought I was gonna be a priest. I did not going to be a priest. I'm still a practicing Catholic um, and I taught I, I did teach um, this stuff for a couple of years. Uh, my life is going in a much different direction to do psychotherapy now, but I mean it's I'm, it's still very important uh, in my life to you know and I, I still get very excited when something like this comes along and takes takes a stab at um, a religious or like you know something in the religious historical realms like I think this would lean towards a little bit of more of the historical realm uh, with some faith stuff. So this is exciting to me, and I bring a very a, a perspective to it. Yes. Uh, what about you, Dan? You have a background, right?
0: Yeah. so I grew up uh, Mormon. so that's that's the religious tradition that I come from, which, of course, has its own perspective on this time period and Jesus and all of that. Um, I pursued a doctorate in late antiquity and early Christianity. And um so I teach at the college level um you have see
2: Thomas Aquinas on your website for crying out loud. Yeah, I, I
0: love this stuff. And, you know, when this game came out, I was super excited. And there are some things I really love about it, to be honest. And I want to get into that because I don't want to be a downer. Uh, it does some really cool stuff, um, including theologically and historically, which, you know, I think is super neat that a game like this is able to come out on the market. Uh, I, I understand it was a little bit of a risk. Mm -hmm. uh for them to publish and so I think it's cool that they they took that leap and I'm excited that it's out there but I do have some reservations uh you can already read my review so I won't necessarily go into everything that bugged me but I would love to discuss it with both of you because of your background so Liz tell us about your background
1: yes so um I was raised Lutheran I became an atheist at 14 and I still am one However, uh, I took Latin as a way to like answer my confirmation class questions that were never answered. And then I became obsessed. Uh, And now I have a PhD in ancient Christianity from Yale (laughs) because I never (laughs) do anything by half ever. Um, I'm now a high school Latin teacher from that background. And I'm currently teaching summer New Testament to my little summer school babies. And so we just read about the, you know, who's the greatest and Jesus let us sit at your right and your left hands. And, Mm. you know, we've just done it. So, I I think that my sentiments are going to be similar to y'all's, but like, of course, with differences that are key to us, which is that I'm so glad that somebody took this theme on. I'm so glad that this game is something that was considered marketable and that exists because I think that's great. Uh, But I also just as a historian of this period, as somebody who's interested in theology, wish that some things had been different.
2: Yeah, I mean, so I think the easiest part is to take on the mechanical stuff. And uh, Dan, your review, like your take on the mechanical stuff was like (laughs) Euro, 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 Euro. (laughs) (laughs) So I know it shouldn't take us long, right? To discuss the actual uh, Euro stuff. So like um, as as Liz went over in her overview, uh, I think the the thing to understand about this game is that there's a core flow, right? You you start it, uh, it with your followers and your cards in your hand. You play one card a turn. And that one card enables you to move your follower to uh, to uh, somewhere, usually the lands, right? So your follower is going to go from your board to the land. And then your follower is going to go with another action. You get to take your follower from the land, gathering stuff, gathering offerings to the last summer. Yeah. So it's this triangle movement that you are trying to coordinate. And there's a bunch of followers that you have to coordinate. And the, one of the victory conditions that like, get it all your followers out there. And um, so I felt like just on a purely mechanical level, um, I, my sensibility when it comes to euros, isn't as kind of high, like a vital assertive might be a little bit much for me and my group. So I appreciated that the core flow was easy to understand it, easy to execute and had some interesting decisions in there. So just as a baseline Euro experience, I kind of, I liked what it was doing. what do you think, Dan?
0: You know, what I liked about it, especially is the way that you plan these cards, And you have to, you're taking all these considerations. I love it when every action that you take, you're thinking not about what is it doing right now, you're thinking about what is it doing now, what is it doing in the medium term, what is it doing in the long term, and the cards do a great job of that. Um, because you're playing the cards and yeah, you're you're moving out your piece in order to, you know, get fish or whatever it is that you need to do. But you're also putting out these cards to gather the symbols on the cards in order to mm-hmm. do what the game calls uh, visit an apostle, where you're, you're getting the apostle to come out and go hang out with Jesus at the Last Supper. Uh, hey Thomas,
2: Last Supper's happening. What are you doing over there? Let's go. <laughs>
0: yeah, let's let's get over to the Last Supper together. And depending on the apostle, he's going to trigger some sort of bonus. Maybe Thomas is going to be like, "Hey, you can come to the Last Supper with me." Yeah. Um, maybe you hang out with Judas, and he's like, "Hey, I just had a windfall of money." So have some of this money, um, blood money. Here the fact go. that yeah. the Judas
1: piece is silver really did delight me, like all the way down to my soul. I'm just yeah, it was
0: really, del- yeah. It, it and it uses some of that symbolism that's kind of uh, you know that is quite lovely, and and so I I liked the mechanics on the whole, even if I found them a little bit dry. You know I'm I'm willing to make an allowance, especially because the Euro game is so dominant in the way that we think about board games, the way that many board games are produced. Um, So even though I didn't love the mechanics, I I think they're very functional. And I think they did a good job of uh, getting everybody to the table and letting you play without too much overhead. So that was a good part. Uh, Liz, how did the process of gameplay strike you?
1: I mean, okay, it wasn't my favorite. I like my euros very heavy these days. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't it, it didn't like thrill me, but it wasn't bad. Like this is a very playable Euro. If somebody said, hey, it's game night. Do you want to play this? Um, I would be like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's play it. Like I kind of like the puzzly aspect of placing the friendly followers like in different configurations around the table. Um, I enjoyed, again, like you said, like the kind of the emphasis on forward thinking that it's not just, oh, I want some fish. It's, oh, I need to play this. I need to go here. I need to get these fish. And I need to use them to do this. And I also need to keep track on my... Of my warehouse to make sure that I'm getting people out of it to make room for the stuff that's going to go in it. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I want this mahanic card. Um, you know, there's a lot to think about. And so, even though you're only playing one card, ostensibly it's very simple. You do get to do a lot, and I, I personally value that in games. I love ease of taking your turn, complexity of decisions, like which turn to take. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, this game yeah. does that very well.
1: Yeah, and so I think mechanically. It is from, yeah, it's good to really good, depending on how you personally, you know, have experience of Euros and, you know, where you're at with
2: that. So then, um, and and Dan also pointed this out in his uh, piece. And I I think so mechanically, you know, solid, doesn't blow the doors off, functional, whatever. Where the game starts to kind of buckle a little bit. So I mentioned that flow, right? The, you know, you go from the personal space to the lands, to gather resources, and then you get to the Last Supper. And that last supper space—that's the—that's the 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 key, right? It's it, it draws all the attention. That's where the Jesus figure is. I forgot to take that Jesus figure, uh, and like that—that's where you're you're putting your pieces. And so it's doing a lot of work mechanically, and it's doing a lot of work thematically, there. Yes. And so, and maybe this is a, this, is, this is a themat- This might be a thematic thing, but it's also a mechanical insight too. In terms of like, it's very uh, lockstep. Like you go there, yeah. you make your offering, and it's that's it. Generally, you're there, and it's like one apostle lets you kind of move, move things around. It's like a one for one trade that felt very stately. It yeah. felt very like you know uh, the Jesus, the, the the kind of Jesus that emerges in this game is the kind of the royal Jesus. Which isn't the Jesus yes. that I associate with this period, like the Last Supper. So
1: I've just taught my students about the messianic secret, right? Like talking about yeah. the disciples managing to make it through the entire gospel of Mark and have no freaking clue who Jesus really is, even after they figure out that he's the Messiah, the transfiguration. And then the first person to really get it is a Roman centurion who just watched him die. Like it's right. amazing uh, as a storyline. Um, so I will just, I'm just going to lay it out. The reason this game drove me crazy is because the concept is so good because it's so real to the new testament and it's so human i want to be closer to jesus i want to be the best disciple lord lord which of us is the greatest lord lord can i sit at your right hand can i sit at your left hand i I will take on the cup that you're going to drink from like these people don't know what they're promising and they so earnestly want to be something special in Jesus's eyes, even before they fully get who he is, even before they really understand the consequences of that. Mm -hmm. Right. There's something about that. That's so touching. I think in the new Testament, especially like when the other disciples get mad after James and John, like ask to be the favorite, because they Mm -hmm. also want to like, there's something so human about it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this game misses the point because the point is that you're not actually supposed to ask that you're supposed to have the insight that the first will be last and that the one who will be the greatest will be the servant of all. And like that entire spiritual point that Jesus kind of makes to his disciples who are silly in their depictions of not getting it right. It's almost like the game enshrines the wrong part where you're supposed to just keep blundering towards a, a material excellence. When yeah, that's I mean, it's not the offering. The
2: point. It's about the quality of your offering. Like, if you bring rocks, you're in the corner, and if you bring fish, you're close to the middle. And and it's like that. That's not. Yeah, but if
1: you give all that you have, you could be the widow with
2: the one coin. I'm just right. saying. This right. Game, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: You're right. And like, so, and I, I felt very regal, very stately, because like that's yeah. what is that's what it would be like a royal court, right, or like a medieval court. Now, Daniel, you tell me more. So, like, the better you're offering, the closer you are to the, the you know the the the, the site, right? Yeah. The 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 the, where, the reason why you're there. And you know, from what I know about the time period, from what I know about you know, just, like, gatherings in the, in the Middle East and everything, like it wasn't like stately; like it was a knife fight to get in there. And it's like it, whoever has the sharpest elbows and whoever can kind of uh, you know <laughs> muscle in there uh, and, and, and and get the favor and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I, I almost wanted the middle to work out more like a a Catan vibe or something where it's like I'm um, trading; it's more dynamic. You know, yeah, I'm bringing my three fish, you're sitting over there. Okay, I'm gonna give you my three fish, I'm gonna give you the seat. And then we have to make kind of trades that way. Uh, and it, it it just felt so like, th- there's this resource flow, and I'm going along with the flow. And then the resource flow kind of gets into that middle area. And it's like, oh, whoa, this is falling a little flat for me. I don't know what you, what you yeah. thought, Dan
0: uh you know i i agree with you completely so I, i'm sitting here with jesus there and
2: uh you <laughs> sitting with jesus look at him <laughs> and uh
0: and as you can see i'm very close to jesus which means i have seven points
2: yes <laughs> and
0: and on the screen liz has you know she's next closest to me i don't know how your zoom header uh panned out but that means liz has six points and jason you're way out i the way boonies. out there my rocks yeah. are
2: just not going to do it
0: your rocks didn't do it so you got five points and the game does these this weird thing where, first of all, it's pokey, okay? Like, like did anyone else's lands like always fill up and no one else could get in there? It, like, like it bottlenecks really easily, so the game becomes slow, which I think is a bit of a turnoff. Because here I am, I'm like, okay, this game is accessible for newcomers, and then I have newcomers come and we're playing like this two and a half hour game that's. Not heavy, so it doesn't have that appeal to keep our attention, but then also it's slow. And in the midst of that happening, suddenly we have this weird headspace where, okay, well, I've put down Judas and sitting next to Judas is like minus five points. Someone else is sitting next to Jesus, which is plus seven points. Somebody, I play a thing that lets us switch places, which is a net of 12 points. And guess what? I am now thinking about in the most Euro of terms, like all of these traded sums of points, which I, I actually, I don't know if this is the game's fault. I kind of think it isn't. I I think the Euro model might be at odds.
2: Yes. Correct. Yeah.
0: With, you know, it's, it's inherently just so transactional and so mathematical and what I look for, you know, what, you know, these days, if you ask me my, my religious beliefs, that's going to be a, I'm going to, I'm going to dump trauma on you. Right. But. (laughs) but, But the things that I love about this, you know, the reason that I went to school for it, the reason I teach it is all because of this component of the the human struggling to reach out and graze fingers with the divine. And this game is just not that. Mm -hmm. And I want it to be so badly. I don't want to be sitting there and quibbling over sums. You know, The idea of going out and gathering fish to take to the feast is great but the idea that jesus is jesus has people at the door like no you don't get to sit next to jesus until you bring the two fish and the two loaves mm-hmm. i just find it so at odds and we've seen a few games that have done a wonderful job of of treating religious belief recently that i feel like this kind of ends up being anti belief you know i play this and even though, like I said, I've got a lot of religious stuff I'm working through all the time, I can still read the gospels and I love it.
1: Yes, uh, as an atheist, secret. yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, and, and these stories, even though I look at it and I see historical Jesus rather than you know the hypostatic Jesus, I still look at it and, and I love what it's trying to do. I love the different Jesuses. I, I love them all in their own way. And this game, instead of showing me you know the messianic secret, or jesus the king or you know jesus the weird alien from john you know all of those Jesuses are so cool and then i play this jesus and i get euro jesus and it's
2: just it's, and it's Product just so jesus
0: um, yeah and it's but, so inimical to what i want but Go I ahead, mean, what Jason. i will
2: say is that it's i wouldn't necessarily say it's like euros i think it's like the more modern crunchy multiply solitaire euro you mm. know uh i think there is a older breed of euro and having worked with puerto rico having uh, worked with um, some other, like kind of the older designs, it's much more interactive, much more above the table. And that's, I think, I, what I want. I wanted a more mm-hmm. above the table experience. Uh, and the, the they, they give you that in the multiplayer, the three and four player with like the favor tokens. But I think I agree with you, Dan. I think I use those things two or three times a game. That felt very kind of tacked on. Yeah. And um, so there wasn't a lot of reason to interact. Like I'm fighting myself. And I'm not fighting myself in that interesting religious way of like, okay, I'm fighting my sin. No, I'm fighting my warehouse capacity. And nowhere in the Gospels is there warehouse capacity ever. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I I also do want to point out that this, like, again, like most of my issues with this game were thematic. Like, if it had been another theme somehow, I don't know how, but I might have felt better about it. But thematically, like, as you mentioned, like, so it's not just the resources in the warehouse. It's stuff like parables as a resource. That made me like a, like a little parable card. Kind of made me crazy. Like, oh, you can go listen to a parable right here before Last Supper. I thought Barabbas as the solo AI, but like in cahoots with the Sanhedrin, was very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, right. There was just a lot that really that I struggled with, and I think it, it might be an issue of being too close to the subject matter in a way, like because I've spent so much time poring over the New Testament in so much detail. Those kinds of connections drawn made me nuts because I just yeah. don't really think that Sanhedrin and Barabbas were going to be pals.
2: <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I think the idea that, like, the Barabbas is politicking. To be at the that that's what the rule book actually says. Like the the uh, Barabbas isn't no, he isn't just like this guy that's like shows up. Like he wants to be, you know, he he thinks he knows the way uh the politics are gonna go. He thinks because one person is always released, that's kind of a tradition. So it's like I want a politics to send him to be that one. I don't want Jesus to be the yeah, one.
1: Yeah, which historically I just want to point out that's that is a unique uh thing to the gospels, for what I can tell. But <laughs> but yes, yeah. according to the gospel story, yes, this is the annual thing. <laughs>
2: So I mean I guess like mechanically that ex- the the player experience you know irrespective of the religious theme mechanically the the my biggest issue was the center and the center just felt like it felt very Euroy it felt very like okay I'm I'm gathering the resources and like I like to have a feeling of, a little bit more of a feeling of a climax like because that's what an engine builder gives you an engine builder gives you that that pop at the end of like okay I do do, do 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 boom and the pop here is I get to add five points instead of six or whatever, like, you know, I'm doing, I, now I've made my, I progressed myself on the arithmetic and that it didn't, it landed with a little bit of a thud, at least in the middle. And then you add beyond that, the thematic stuff of, I kind of wanted the middle to be more thematically resonant too. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at wise. One
0: of the things that really stood out to me is how often in the process of play, um, people at the table. So I, you know, I'm sitting there, and my players are having very different reactions because I'm sitting going, "Wow, this is kind of supersessionist, like you know, (laughs) like please
2: continue with that one, yeah."
0: Because we supersessionists
2: for the peoples.
0: (laughs) Okay, so so uh, supersessionism is this idea that the old the Hebrew Bible Mm. and all of this this Jewish religion exists solely to point to Jesus and the Christian religion. Bas- the idea that it's the Old Testament exists to create the New Testament. Um, and and in Christianity, this is something we struggle a lot with. And it's it's a bit of a bugbear of mine because I teach this sort of stuff. So when students come in, we like to point out, you know, when Jesus is reading, um, the, when he's quoting these sections from the Hebrew Bible, he's, if you're not being generous, he's misquoting them in many cases. And if yeah. you are being generous, he's reinterpreting them. Um, and this is pretty common. Almost every time Jesus brings up something from the Hebrew Bible, you can look at it in an original context and be like, oh, he's kind of changing the meaning here. Mm-hmm. Um, very common. Y- you might've, as both of you certainly know, Christians consider like the book of Isaiah to be the fifth gospel. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: and the book of Isaiah is not talking not. <laughs> about Jesus in its original <laughs> yeah. context. It just isn't. And you really have to stretch it to get it there. Um, I'm not saying that to to smash anyone's beliefs or anything like that. I'm saying that because this game leans into that. Because rather than, for instance, the only time Jewish people really make themselves known is the Sanhedrin. Um, Like, playing this game, as far as I can tell, you know, uh, historically, you would be a Jewish community, right, out in the desert. And they don't have any identity. Um, you're not an Essene, you know, you're not a zealot, you're not, you know, you're not some Hasmonean restorationist, you're not one of the five or six major sects that would be here. Yeah, You're just sort of this featureless thing, which can can give the impression that you're basically just a Mm -hmm. proto-Christian. The Romans are absent. So there's no to to speak and use a modern term. There's no secular investment in the crucifixion of Jesus. There's no political reason to crucify him. There's purely a religious self-motivated reason, and the people who hold that reason are Jewish, Um, which unfortunately I think can lean into something a little bit frightening, especially right now Mm -hmm. when we're seeing this resurgence of Christian nationalism Mm -hmm. that personally I think every Christian should be invested in pushing back on,
1: yes i mean i'm literally teaching new testament right now and i had to have an uncomfortable conversation with a student who just asked and i the things you can't judge them for asking the kid said why were the pharisees so against god's will Mm. what Like, and, you know, of course, I'm like, whoa, 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 several steps back. Like, we had to have the conversation about, you know, actually, Paul never stops identifying as a Pharisee. Jesus's teachings were closest to Pharisee teachings of any other Jewish sect at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, Jesus doesn't stop being Jewish. Like, you know, we really explicitly hit that multiple times in class. But getting that presupposition out of our cultural understanding of what's happening in the New Testament is so hard that even after having dis- explicit discussions with students about it they still fall into the old tracks they cannot help it because the way their society is built you have to break it down and so yeah i do think that seeing the sanhedrin especially this way you know it, it does you're right like imply that jesus's only enemies are jewish enemies mm-hmm. while jesus yeah. is judaism like jesus appears as very much like an icon like a a Christian icon looking thing in this game instead of as a Jewish dude mm-hmm. from Galilee who's like living a Galilee life, and it it's uncomfortable.
2: I read the designer diary and uh, and I think there were a couple of designer diaries, and I think the person is coming at it from a devotional context. Like this is yes. a devotion for for them. Yeah, and that you know when you go when we come from that perspective, like you're there's the Bible. Uh, and I'm going to kind of enter into the Bible, and then whatever my presuppositions are, and that's kind of what's going to be expressed. And there's a whole bunch of Christians that that feel that way. And, you know, well, we're we're all historical people, and we all see the context, and we all see that there were motivations behind why the Gospels uh, emphasized the role of the Jews and deemphasized the role of the Romans. They wanted to stay alive. They didn't want to write anti Roman propaganda. So it's like, yeah. okay, let's uh, – soft pedal let's make Pilate look like a really great guy or really yeah. brought uh you know but uh, oh, okay. there was no historical evidence that he was any such thing um yeah. to the point also no
1: evidence that his wife was like an astrology girl who like had dreams that right.
2: so <laughs> there was all these motivations why the gospels are written the way they were written but if you are coming at it from that kind of like devotional uh you know this is a very heartfelt game for the designer like i mean they they really wanted to express something about their own spirituality uh, with yes. this game. And there is a very valid um, way of worshiping Jesus that's so directly like, okay, here's, we're going to connect over here. And it's almost like she wants to be uh, in the Last Supper, right? And like, this is what I would have done. I would have like, you know, scoured for, you know, offerings and tried to get as close to Jesus as possible. So like, that's a, it's a valid way to approach it. But um, the it, planting it into this context of let's just call it, we haven't said the word yet, anti-Semitism. Yes. You know, like, supersessionism is anti-Semitism. Yeah. And seeing that, you know, the followers of Jesus are proto-Christians is anti-Semitic, and I'm, we are not accusing anybody of anything, but, like, in terms of participating in tropes, unknowingly, this yes. game might kind of brush up against that a little bit too close for comfort, especially for us who have this mindset of the historical background.
0: Absolutely. Yes. And I'm so grateful you said it that way, Jason, because I am I, certainly not accusing the sure. designer no, of... Of being anti-Semitic, um, I. But you know, one of the things when I teach a class on the New Testament or on the letters of Paul is we are just so careful. I mean, one of the first things we look at is the way the Pharisees become the good guys of Acts, right? They're they're the bad guys of the Gospels in many cases, but then you move into Acts and suddenly they're the good guys. Yeah. Uh, they're the ones pushing the church forward, this early Christian movement, and that. And, and the reason we do that is not to say Pharisees good or Pharisees bad. We, we, we do that to say history complicated <laughs> and that, <laughs>
2: that the writer is complicated for perspective shif- shifting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One that we're looking at different perspectives written by different people and that we're looking at a large organization, you know, all the, all that sort of thing that we want to complicate. We want to add some turbulence to those waters. Um, and and what I was saying is the. I'm sitting at this table and I'm going, there's a disconnect because I, as a historical guy who teach college, I'm sitting there and going, wow, this is kind of supersessionist. And everyone else at the table is saying things that I think are insightful in a different way that I can't reach because I'm, I'm just, I'm too close, just like Liz said. And what I mean is, for instance, when you upgrade that, um, that little tile by, I think you give enough favors and you take it off and you're like, oh, I finally get more storage space and you get one more space on your storage. And every time we've done that, everyone at the table has like burst out laughing because it is just so piddly (laughs) to get like one more and so they're going well this is
2: ridiculous i've listened to two parables i've sat at the the, the feet of my lord for uh, hear her and says dispense wisdom you get an extra ability to catch a fish great
0: yeah (laughs) And, and, and the same goes with the parables we were playing with a friend of ours named caroline and she had this absolutely wonderful point where when we finally earned the first parable in our game she was going oh well what do we do do we Like, do we tell the parable? She was thinking the game would now suddenly break the fourth wall and become devotional. Mm. Um, like, 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 what are we doing? Or does the parable let you move closer to Jesus because you're understanding him better? Like, do you slide to the front of a row? But instead of being intermeshed in kind of these interesting ways or playing with what the game could be, it just slips right back into... Yeah, Euro multi solitaire Euroland, where so it's like well you get some points, and it, it's just such a disappointment to have that happen. Uh, and I really appreciate having played with people who didn't get you know, a higher degree in Christianity because they were pointing these things out to me that are very insightful as we play. That they were that at, approaching this as Christians, approaching this as people who were yearning for a devotional game because it presents itself that way. Right and not getting it
2: or getting a version that is uh, very locked into a certain kind of devotion to jesus which is very valid but that for a historical person's perspective because it has some difficulties i I would say that way yeah and i wanted the knife fight i want a knife fight in the last supper personally
1: (laughs) so i actually feel like this is a good spot to kind of is torzita to this was just a quick yeah. discussion of maybe what this game could have been and what we would have liked to see like i think that what you're saying about elbows is right i would have liked to see more human foibles mm-hmm. um come to the fore and like the foolishness of trying to get closer to jesus right. who you know by his own declarations values the least of these little ones and the prostitutes and the tax collectors and like the little kids like jesus gave i mean you know even though i'm an atheist and i don't think about this in a devotional context right if you really are reading the gospels it's very clear that jesus's generosity with himself and with his time is very much at the forefront and he gives that self and that time to people who you wouldn't think deserved it or who had earned it in any way at all other than to think that he was something special and maybe not even that because some gonna, people hadn't
2: i'm going to answer your question say more elbows uh i have to drop because i have something going on upstairs, yeah, but yeah. please you two continue i can't wait to hear what you have to say so thank you thanks jason <laughs>
1: <Absolutely>. <laughs> but um dan do you have any thoughts on that
0: Uh, You know, I I just, just to say that I agree, I would, I, the best part of the game, and I really do like this part of the game is that central, you know, here here's Jesus, here's the, here's the upper room, let's go try to sit close to him. I think as a scoring mechanism and as a a shared incentive space to use a mechanical term, I like that. Um, I wish more of the game had fed into it. I love Jason's idea about throwing elbows. I like your idea too. You know, how cool would it be if you're playing this game? And then Jesus doesn't show up because he's out helping somebody. And in a way that's kind of a life lesson, right? You're like, Oh, here we are. We're going to, we're going to bribe the door, you know, bouncer to get a really good spot. And then Jesus comes in at the last minute and he sit he pushes an apostle out of the corner and he sits at the corner of the table and he's like, sorry, I was, you know, I was healing a leper, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I, I don't want I, you know, as a critic, I try to avoid talking about what I, the game that I didn't play. Yes. But I just see so much potential in this game. And there and there are glimmers of it. Um yes. I, I think that the the designer, I see glimmers of her intentions that I really like. Um I like the energy of the game. I I even like the way that it's sort of human in that it emphasizes like you're out there picking stones and catching fish. You know, you as the player are so preoccupied with the mundane that in a way you miss the divine in front of you. Yes. And I like that. In a way I wish it had leaned into that because the irony of the game is that you pursue the mundane straight into the divine. Yes. So what what are your thoughts, Liz?
1: No, I see the thing is that that is such a beautiful interpretive point If I felt the game was doing it deliberately.
0: Yeah. And that's what I I I mean. Yeah. Yeah. In in that the mundane shouldn't, you know, being distracted by the stones and the fish should and the coins shouldn't lead you to Jesus. Right. That's the distraction. That's mammon. Right. And instead it leads you straight to Jesus. So sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I mean, that's, that's kind of exactly where it goes. It's, it's almost like we're still not getting the messianic secret. Like it's a very Markian game. And the sense that, <laughs> and the sense that we are in the roles of disciples who are just slouching blindly, you know, right, towards right. the table, and we don't really know what we're doing or why we're doing it. We just know that we really want to do it, that we really want to get close. And we're like rating each other on our closeness and in the end, miss the point. Like maybe, you know, in a, in a funny way, right? Like it's, it's the game puts us on rails to mimic all of the people of the new Testament who also miss the point. And like I, there is
0: a profundity yeah. in that. Like, <laughs> and and I do think I do think she's doing that a little bit deliberately in that like it's so hard to read it into intent, but I, I right. do think that she is positioning the mundane as us being distracted. I really do. I, I just think that the way it connects to the end of the game is just like I think it would have been cool if like at the end of the game it was like you know, flip a card, psych, oh, whoever had the lowest score won, you know, or or yeah,
1: something that's a surprise. Jesus is all yeah. about surprises. Like that's actually something I very much deliberately teach my students. Par- like my least favorite thing about youth group as a kid was when people tried to tell me the Bible was basic instructions before leaving earth. Like none of this is basic. The entire point of the the kingdom on earth, right? Is that things that you don't expect happen. The son who goes and spends his inheritance gets a big welcome back, and the older brother has to look on angrily, even though he did everything right. The yeah. people who start halfway through the day get the same wages as the people who started in the morning. Like I, I wanted to see a little bit more of that topsy turvy world emerge at the end of the game. Do you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. I do. Uh I I, you know, one of the reasons that speaking as somebody who was raised with a very particular version of Jesus, a Jesus who came to America. Right. And, uh, but one of the reasons I love the gospels is because Jesus is just so dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's such a surprise, you know, even in this game. So this is kind of Jesus as King, right? Jesus is ruler here. He has, he's got his Nimbus. He's huge. He's like the size of eight <laughs> people. We have, we have this Royal Jesus and and he kind of is the king I expect, right? He's the the whole idea with Matthew is you know he, Jesus as king, but then you don't get the king you expected. You don't get the conquering hero, you don't get the right. re- restoration of the house of David. You you get a you get a God who will feed you in a different way. And you know, is that a retrojection of people trying to explain his why their messiah was killed? Sure. But let's set aside that stuff. <laughs> And let's yeah. just look at what, what the text is, is trying to teach us, that this is an unexpected God. This is not a God who ripped himself off the cross and wiped out his enemies. This is, this is God who died. Yeah. And this game just kind of presents Jesus as king in a very king way.
1: Yeah. And it's also sad because this is supposed to be God who's about to die. Yeah. And knows it. And, you know, Gethsemane hasn't happened yet in this game. And so keenly, Jesus is even more of a weird note here for me, because this should be a Jesus who's feeling insecure because he knows one of his friends is about to sell him out. And a Jesus who's about to go meekly to his fate, but also beg for a reprieve because he's human enough to want to not go up on that cross and do this. Like, I don't know. There's There's an insecurity in that Jesus that I personally find very affecting. Right. And it's not in this game. And like, of course, it's a game. It's a Euro game. Like, if there's only so much it can do, I'm not, I don't want to right. place expectations on it, right? That it, can't, it just really could never have fulfilled. But at the same time, like, I feel like the, it presenting itself in this way raises these questions, right? And brings this discussion out in a really natural way. And like, maybe that's the perk of the game in a way. Like, the fact that it sparked this conversation and probably similar ones.
0: Like, well, what is know- it to yeah. Sorry. And to agree with you completely, the the version of this game I want would be so heretical. Yeah. Like I picture a version of this game because I find it super weird that, you know, that Judas is bad. Right. Yeah. So, so, so Judas is negative points. Always. He always gives you money. And I find that kind of weird that, yes. you know, that, that you basically use Judas as a bartering chip, you know, to put in front of people, make them lose points. And I think it would have been fascinating for example if you didn't know who the traitor was uh who would betray Jesus no of course Jesus knows but Jesus says someone's going to betray me and yeah. you're going oh which is who who among these is going to betray Jesus and maybe it's a surprise maybe maybe the game lets you through studying the parables deduce the various scoring quantities of the apostles Ooh. that like understanding the you know it gives you great sight like you don't know These apostles have hidden scoring amounts, and it's only by learning, you know, what Jesus is teaching that you see into people's souls, or you know, however you want to put it. Yeah. But but here's the thing. Then it then the game might have the possibility that oh maybe Peter's the traitor, and then everyone's mad. And so I totally acknowledge that the version of the game I want uh, (laughs) might be impossible. Yeah. Um, but I want it to do something like that. You know, I I want I want the parables to mean something more than points. I I want the favors we're doing each other to be acts of charity that do something beyond just unlocking cargo space. You know, I I want it, I want it to reach out and touch me and it kind of didn't.
1: Yes. I like your personal Jesus there. Um, But I, yes, I, you know, I think that this game, like all media of any kind about the divine, especially I think about Jesus. Right. I mean, uh, in some ways, I think it there's a profundity in the fact that it will never be enough, mm-hmm. that we're always going to want more. Like, there's a reason that people wrote infancy gospels and apocryphal acts of the apostles. We want more, 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 more. What was Jesus like as a kid? What was Jesus like as a person? um you know how do we get closer we want to get close we want to be the people in mark who are on the boat and not the ones who are on the shore when jesus is preaching away from the masses and like that desire for closeness and the fact that we will never get it as literary analysts or as people of faith if that's what you are like i mean you know i think that the game accidentally winds up being something profound in that way regardless of its intentions because of that mystery at the heart of everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree.
1: So do I have quibbles with the way this game went about things? Yes. But I think I come down, to, I'm glad it exists. I'm glad that it's trying because the other thing is that like, frankly, nobody tries this. So how is it going to be a perfect first try? Um, you know?
0: Yeah, and you know what, To to your point, I hope that uh, the designer um, Carmen Garcia Jimenez. I hope she. I hope she tries again. I know that she has. So on her uh, profile, she mentions something about she wants to create devotional games. She wants to spread the word of Jesus. I don't remember how she puts it, but I hope she does. I hope she yeah. continue. I hope she continues to take. Her, her personal devotion and try to, and, and I recognize it's scary in part because of what we're doing right now, right? Right. <laughs> I, but I hope she keeps giving it. Um, I hope she keeps sharing herself, not just because she's religious. I hope that many people are trying to share their vision of of history or personal interest or whatever it is. And I hope she continues to share her devotion um, because I think, especially once she steps away from Jesus directly. Yes. I think a lot of the problems sort of dissolve. Um, Jesus well, is so big.
1: Let's say there's a reason that my doctorate is in the ancient Christianity program and not the New Testament program, which is the other one I thought about applying for. It's so.
0: <laughs> <Just> too big.
1: <laughs> the, the smaller subset of texts is actually the part that's too big. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But um, so with that said, yeah, I think that we come down to the same time. I think Jason, you know, although he had to go and handle the kids because he's a good person and a good parent. Um, <laughs> I am neither. <laughs> um, so I think, uh, you know, I think we would all agree. We want more games like this in the world because it's not... It's not that the game is perfect, and we certainly could quibble with it all day if we wanted to. But it's what it's trying to do that I think is meaningful, especially in a world of games that aren't always trying to do something. But you and I are the types of people who are always looking for the one that is,
0: yeah, i I agree. I'm grateful that it's here, you know, and it's such a it's such a sea change that this game is marketable. <clears throat> you know, I think yeah. it's like the the new atheist movement of the early two thousands and just kind of being like, Oh, it's fun to slam religion, you know, and like, and I, I'm glad we've reached a point where we can, we can acknowledge that, you know what, it's okay for somebody to have these devotional thoughts and want to express them without ne- unnecessarily slamming them because yeah. I, I do want this. Uh, I'm right. You know, despite having a lot of reservations and I've shared them and I'm sure you're sick of my reservations, but I am grateful. I played this game.
1: Yes. I'm, I'm also I'm, grateful.
0: Yeah, I'm glad to have played it.
1: Yes. And you know what? I think that in a world full of games where I can't say that, that's saying something. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that we'll cut off here, but I hope we do this again. Like, I hope there are more devotional games for us to get together and talk about, frankly. Yeah. But um, for now, everybody out there, this is going to be on the Beyond Solitaire channel. If you're watching us, uh, it's also going to be a podcast on One Stop Co-op Shop. So Jason will run it over there. Um, but Jason can be found at One Stop Co-op Shop or at Shelf Stories. I'm Liz Davidson from Beyond Solitaire. And then Dan, where can you be found?
0: Spacebiff.com.
1: Spacebiff.com. That's place of the finest written board game reviews in the business. Oh, Liz. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so thank you so much, everybody who joined us on this conversation. You're free to continue it in the comments. So please like, subscribe, comment, ask questions. And most of all, happy gaming.